I'm Teresa Ganzel, and uh, hope you enjoy reliving my youth. I know I enjoy being a part of it. And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noah Fogelman. This week's guest is actress Teresa Ganzel, who starred in the movie The Toy with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason. She guest starred in a ton of shows back in the day. She was Greedy Gretchen on Three's Company. She co-starred with Jim Carrey in a TV show called The Duck Factory. And I spoke with her about all the comedic legends she's worked with from Jackie Gleason, Richard Pryor, John Ritter, Jim Carrey, Johnny Carson. She was one of the Carson players, you know, in a bunch of memorable skits. And here's my conversation with Teresa. And helping me relive my youth today is Teresa Ganzel. Teresa, how are you tonight? I'm great. All right, it's great to have you. Um, So let's start from the beginning, I think the first thing I saw you on was uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, Three's Company. And, uh, oh, yeah, that was, that was so great. I, I, was, I was such a fan of the show, and, uh, that, and it was kind of great because it was my very first time ever on television, and uh, it was kind of great to start off with a nice guest star part and, and uh, on a show that I was a fan of, and of course to work with John Ritter uh, was was just the greatest, and then it was it was kind of fun because the character I played, Greedy Gretchen. Um, then when it became uh, later on, Three's Company, there was a, a they, they did a, a spinoff called Three's a Crowd, right? And they brought back the character of Greedy Gretchen, so uh, it was pretty wonderful. Yeah, and it's like one of the best names in like you know sitcom history, and like your character, <laughs> yeah. your character was mentioned, you know. A few times, but you know, we, we finally get to see you in one of the episodes. Uh, just talk about how um, how special John really was. Oh yeah, he he really was. In fact, um, uh, many years later, after um, I I did uh, that Three's Company, I did a play with Amy Azbeck, John's uh, right, his wife, uh, widow. Yeah, and so that sort of brought. Uh, John back into my life for a while, just socially, you know, because he would come, you know, uh, because of Amy and stuff. And so um, uh, he was just so warm and funny. And also, it was great because um, I was really scared when I was doing the, that um, guest spot. Like I said, it was my first time on TV, and usually I just got lucky because usually you might start off with, you know, a, you know, a part that was, you know, a couple of lines, but I just kind of got you know, got get that guest spot right, right, right off the bat like that. And uh, he didn't know until uh, we were finished shooting. I told him, geez, thank you. You know, it's my first time ever on TV. And he was so kind. He couldn't believe it and complimentary. And uh, uh, and then he was sweet even years after that, too. He had a, an animated series called Fish Police. And he had me come in and do an episode of Fish Police with him. And 
oh, uh, he had me do an, um, a voiceover on uh, Clifford, the big red dog movie that, he, of course, he was Clifford. And so he also, you know, uh, kept me in mind for, like, animation things and stuff like that. He was he was just so giving and great, and, and he was he was uh, really a perfect person to start doing uh, television with. Boy, I, I, I have to tell you, he was a sweet man in real life, too. Yeah, it's it's a shame he you know left us way too early. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. But wow, what a great career he had, right? Yeah, right totally. So, geez, just wonderful. Yeah, Clifford was it's my son's. Uh, like he had this Clifford doll. He still has it, but he's twelve years old now. But you know, he still has it. It's in his room, you know, touched away. Oh, but right. he would he would watch Clifford all the time, and you know, just hearing John's voice was great. Right, you really and and you really could hear his uh, his sweetness, his kindness in, in that character. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was totally the right choice for uh, for Clifford in that cartoon. Uh, so then your first movie was, a, you went from like one comedic great to two comedic greats in the toy with Jackie Gleason and Richard Pryor. Um, how did you get that role? Well, actually, um, I had actually done a couple a couple of uh, movies before that. I did a National Lampoon movie called National Lampoon Goes to the Movies, and uh, <laughs> it was um, a, it, what, what it was was like, it was a compilation of like four different films uh, with different directors, and uh, so I, my mine was sort of a takeoff on a. I would say a Woody Allen movie. It was sort of an Annie Hallish uh, kind of a thing, and so I had a, a real nice part with Peter Regert and Candy Clark and all like that. And then I and I also did a, a little movie with uh, um, oh uh, what was it called COD with um, uh, oh God I'm, I'm spacing on. <laughs> Directed in it, which I think that was probably his first comedy because he came off The Omen, he came off Superman, so he was like a lot of big big names in that movie. Yeah, um, amazing, and uh, uh, oh man, uh, Richard Pryor, he was just <laughs> he was just somebody. It was it was interesting. Uh, on on that movie, I I really saw his vulnerability. He'd already been through the fire, right? You know. He, Um, a great comic actors. There's a um, 
there's uh, there's just a vulnerability uh, is is the best that I can say uh, because uh, both of them knew that you know this was my you know that this was an A picture and once again I was pretty scared but boy once again I had I had two guys that were treating me like a million bucks that's for sure. Oh, that's great. And you look at that that movie, just the uh, the plot of it. That's something you probably can make now. <laughs> yes, yes. I know it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, because when I why I think I think it was rated R, and uh, when I saw it, it was obviously I saw it like on HBO when it first came out, and I think HBO like way back when would only show like R-rated movies after I think seven or eight o'clock, and that was like one of them only movies that they were air between that and, like, the Beastmaster and, like, uh, I think Eddie and the Cruisers, they had, like, a rotation of all those three movies, I believe. <laughs> huh. Wow, I did. Now, I, I, that, that's kind of interesting. I am curious. I do have to go back and see what the, the rating was on that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it would be an R. I would think it would be a PG. I do, because it was primarily for kids. Right, I was, you know, because, I mean, I watched it probably a couple months ago, and I know there were a lot of, like, times where Richard would, like, you know, curse out, uh, you know, Scott, you know, Scott Schwartz in the movie, and it was just really funny, and, like, the name of his character, you know, even was Eric, but they still called him Master Bates. It was just, you know, such a silly movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, well, when, whenever I would say U.S., yeah. uh, it was funny, US. <laughs> when I when I had read the script, you know, when I was just auditioning and I read the script, I immediately saw that as the joke. Right. But when we, I, I, but, but guess what? The writer and the, and Dick Donner and the, nobody anticipated that that was the joke. So when we, the very first day we did a big table read through and when I said, you ass, everybody just cracked up and I was sort of surprised because I thought, well, yeah, that's the joke. But they, but it was a surprise to everyone. The writer did not realize. I thought that was the writer's intention, but that, that wasn't, that was a surprise, which was kind of wonderful. Yeah, that really was. And I think that even like Richard, you know, did it as well. And, and I think they corrected him. It was, it was so funny. Um, but one scene, yeah, like yeah. one memorable scene you did was the, uh, when you were in that exercise machine, how long did it take to film that scene? <laughs> you know, it, actually, to tell you the truth, that was quick and easy. It really was. Yep, it, did, it didn't take long at all. It was just, I put me on it, and away I went. Oh, good, yeah, because that, that, that could have been uh, a real pain. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was very easy. Oh, that's, that's good. Uh, so then, like, after that movie, there was a, a show you were on. I watched a couple episodes, like being a big uh, Three's Company fan when Norman Fell was uh, Teachers Only. Right, right. And that cast, uh, you yeah. were such a good cast in that show. Yeah, very good cast. Uh, 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 and Jean Smart, too. I mean, she was now she's such a big star, but then she wasn't. But she was certainly about to become not too much after that. And, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah, me too, exactly. Norman Fell, I was such a big fan of his, and, and Lynn Redgrave, and um, Joel Brooks, I'm still friends with, okay. and, uh, yeah, it was, oh, and Tim Reed, my God, right. Tim Reed, he was so great from WKRP, and, yeah, Venus and, yeah, it was really, really a great, strong cast, uh, uh, and, yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was really great, because um, I was so excited even though I had, I had done some movies 
was always to be a regular on a television series. That's what I really, really wanted to do. So I had done my one guest spot on Three's Company, mm -hmm. and then the next thing I auditioned for was to be a series regular on Teachers Only, and I got it, and I was just, I was just absolutely thrilled. That that was really one of one of the greatest experiences of my life. I, I, I loved it. I loved that style of working in front of a live audience. Re really loved that a lot. So it was just, that was just a, a heavenly thing. I, I so wish that that or, or some of these other short-lived series I did had lasted longer because, boy, I, I talk of, to me, that's a dream job, a half-hour comedy. It's when I, sometimes I hear actors complaining about how hard it is. Well, I think hour-long series are, but half-hour comedies, it's, it's not hard. It's just great. And uh, I, I, I love, I love the, uh, I, I, I also love film half-hour comedies, too, without an audience. But the thing where, where you're doing it in front of a live audience and, and the writers are changing lines and, um, you know, tweaking it and, and, and you have to kind of stay uh, quick and focused, I, I really, I like that a lot. So it is great. Right, and then your next one, you talk about, um, you know, recording on film was Duck Factory, and I remember that show well with, uh, with Jim Carrey's first role. Yes, and I'll tell you what was so, that was so great because um, when I was doing it, I would say to my friends, I don't, like, I'm working with, like, the funniest man I, in the world, this guy, uh, Jim Carrey, he's screamingly funny. Well, uh then when the series came out on the air, people were sort of like, well, I mean, he's kind of sweet, but he's really not that funny. And, and then I realized, because they had, his character was just sort of the straight man. Yeah, totally. What I was reacting to is, you know, who I was having lunch with. You know what I mean? It was, it was Jim Carrey in real life, but, you know, in between takes, uh, his impressions, he was doing all those spectacular impressions that he could do. And I was going to see him do stand-up comedy at the comedy store. Um, and, and so he was just brilliantly funny. And, uh, but, you know, you, 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 you play the character that's written, and he was playing, really, we were the zany people all around him, and he was playing uh, uh, the straight man to all our zaniness. Yeah, and he had, like, the best name for, like, a straight man, Skip. Skip Tarkington. <laughs> yes. Well, um, the executive producer, the creator of that series, Alan Burns, uh, who had come off the Mary Tyler Moore show um, as a writer, a creator-writer, and he, um, the Duck Factory was based on his uh, early career, um, his first job uh, when he came out as a young man. To, to Hollywood was to work for Jay Ward Studios. Okay, yeah, Bowling Cole. And uh, so basically Jim Carrey was playing Alan Burns, which was the animation studio. In fact, um, I don't know if you remember, but there was a, there's an episode in The Duck Factory where they have some real-life um, anima uh, voiceover animator people, uh, among them June Foray. Yeah, who just passed uh, away. Yes, yep. Yeah, so yeah, she, she she was great. All her roles, Granny on Looney Tunes and uh, on Bullwinkle as well. And she, you know, I, I think she, I think she was Betty, right? Betty Rubble on the Flintstones. Yes, yes, yeah. So I mean, just uh, uh, such a yeah. So it was it was it was kind of really 
really neat that they brought in some of the real voiceover stars and all like that. And, of course, yeah, Natasha from Bull Weasel right. and Rocky and, yeah, all those things, exactly. Yeah, and I felt like uh, Duck Factory was probably a little bit ahead of its time. I think if it came out, maybe even now, it probably because there's so many outlets now on TV. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I have, I really, you know, the writers on that show, they were from Mary Tyler Moore, WKRP, and MASH. Yeah, heavy hitters, right. (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, I'll tell you what, that pilot, that, that, series was the series to get that year as an actor because the the level of their the writers they were all the top-notch comedy people and uh i i do think that first of all their their this that style of shooting without an audience it really was before its time and and some of it was um the re, re, you know the the head of the network had, had switched over and so it was no longer good the Duck Factory was Grant Tinker. It was the real MTM Grant Tinker, and then uh, you know the head the head of the network changed. And so I, I think you know sometimes the new regime wants you know to have their their uh, stamp of approval on things. So yeah, I I I I would have loved for that thing to have gone on. It was it was I think really well written. I think it was before its time. I really do. I agree. Yeah, and it had some great people. I mean, you know, Jay Tarsus, who was, he was the coach in uh, Teen Wolf. Later on, Jack Guilford, who, he guest starred, like, in every sitcom. He was great as well. <laughs> yeah, I remember Jack Guilford, the Cracker Jack man. Yeah, that's right. He did all the Cracker Jack commercials. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> he was bad, and, um, yeah, yeah, Jay Tarsus. Jay Tarsus' daughter has gone on to be a big, giant um, executive, like a, a network executive. And uh, let's see, who else was in that? Uh, Nancy Lane was in that show. She was, uh, we became friends. She was um, uh, on, in the original production of uh, Chorus Line on Broadway. Oh, wow. Huh. Yeah, pretty fabulous. And uh, Yeah, but Jim Carrey, oh, boy, oh, boy. He was something else, yeah. Right. And was that yeah. was he dating Linda Ronstadt at the time? Yes, he was. In fact, oh, this is hysterical. Um, before we started working, Alan Burns, the creator of the show, threw a party at his house so that we could all, which was a very classy thing to do, uh, so we could all sort of get to know each other's meet and greet before we started working. And when the party was winding down, Jim said to me, um, I don't have a car. Could you give me a lift to my girlfriend's house? I said, sure. So he gets in the car with me, and we're driving into this gorgeous neighborhood, and there's all these mansions. And he goes, okay, that's my girlfriend's place. I go, wow, what does your girlfriend's parents do? (laughs) (laughs) And that would be the parents' house. And he's like, oh, actually, I'm dating Linda Rostad. That's her house. I'm like, good for you. I know. Wow, yeah, that was because because she was she must have been a couple years older than him. I would imagine. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yes. Right. Well, good for him. I mean, you know, lasted for yeah. for a little while. Why not? Yeah. But yeah, it's amazing. Like the amount of like like comedic legends that you've like worked with. Yeah, it 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 really is t- uh, true. Um, after uh, the Duck Factory, um, 
I did another short-lived series with uh, Dave Thomas from SCTV. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, his show lasted, I think, five episodes before it was canceled. But, oh, my God, that was, uh, you know, mostly sketch comedy. But, boy, oh, boy, was that great because I got to do stuff with Dave Thomas. I got to do I got to do a sketch with John Candy. Oh, wow. um, uh, different people like that. So, oh, my God, that was, that was sort of... Uh, in, in a way, sort of a, a Saturday Night Live, you know, because it was all sketch comedy, and Dave Thomas was incredible um, with impressions. And then I did another series with Andrea Martin from SCTV, who I think Andrea Martin is the greatest comedic actress. I think she's just a scream. And it was called Roxy. No one ever heard of it. We did six episodes. Before, and then it was canceled. It got canceled so quickly. Only two made the air, and then it was canceled. But uh, Andrea Martin, I think she's just she's just a brilliant comedian. And it, it was this, you know, this little half hour comedy, whatever. But it was also with the live audience, and um, I played her best friend in it, and everything. So that's another great comedy legend that I got to work with. And um, yeah, and then you know, just different. Um, guest spots on different shows, but yeah, I, I really have got to work with some of the the greatest people in comedy. I got oh, I know one job I really like. Um, it was a mini series called Fresno, right. and uh, my brother, as a matter of fact, was one of the writers on it, was one of the creators of it, and it was a five hour mini series, but it starred Carol Burnett and uh, Charles Grodin and Dabney. Coleman and uh, Terry Garr and uh, all these people. I mean, it was it was it was basically a takeoff on Dynasty and Dallas and all those shows. And Bob Mackie was the costume designer, and of course Carol Burnett. I mean, does it get any better than that? And uh, uh, my character in Fresno was really fun. Um, my character was Bobby Joe Bob, right. and I played uh, Charles Grodin's maid, but I was also a country western singer. And Bill Paxton uh, played my husband, what? and so we were Bobby Joe and Billy Joe Bob. And <laughs> it was uh, it was just it was being on that set was amazing because it was just you know, it was five hours long of these. You know, God, just to to watch Carol Burnett work, who's also like the sweetest person alive. But I mean, that's yeah, that's again some comedy legends right there. Right, and which leads to the next uh, question, Johnny Carson. I, look, I remember all the skits you did with him uh, when I was able to stay up, you know, awake. Uh, the Tea Time one, oh my God, Art Fern with the uh, the mustache coming off. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly that. That um, I had gotten uh, uh, the Tonight Show is the series that you mentioned, uh, Teachers Only. That was a Carson production. So um, when I auditioned or when I was doing the part, I, Johnny Carson wasn't around. But then one episode we were shooting, um, Jean Smart and I shared a dressing room, and hmm. uh, uh, she always between scenes would go back to the dressing room, and I would just hang out back behind the set. So. And I wouldn't go back to the dressing room until the, the show was uh, done. Anyway, so I, I come back to the dressing room, and she was like, where were you? I go, what, what? She goes, Johnny Carson came to our dressing room, and he wanted to meet 
you. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, are you even kidding me? And so then, like, a few days later, I get this phone call to be on the Tonight Show to show a clip from Teachers Only. And uh, I, oh, geez, I mean, that, you know, that, Johnny Carson was the king, and to get invited to do The Tonight Show was just, um, it didn't get any bigger than that. So uh, as terrified as I was, I went out there and uh, um, showed a clip from Teachers Only, and Johnny interviewed me, and, uh, well, um, I don't know how many weeks later, the series was canceled, and I got a phone call to come back out and do the show again. And so he had me on several times as a guest, even though I remember the second time I was like, but, but I, but I have nothing to promote. Right. I, I don't know. You know, and, uh, the, the booking agent of the tonight show said, I was very flattered said, no, Johnny just thinks you're funny. He just wants to talk to you. So I'm like, okay. So, um, it, it was sort of wild where I was sort of doing a, it, it sort of felt like I was doing stand-up comedy while I was sitting down because I just kind of had to go out and talk to Johnny. And uh, so it was interesting. Um, and then, you know, maybe the third time I went out, I did have something to promote. I can't even remember what I, oh, I remember that. In fact, that's how I got the Duck Factory that you, you mentioned. Um I was a guest on the, I had auditioned for the Duck Factory, but I had, didn't really have the job. And then I came, I did the Tonight Show again and was interviewed by Johnny, and my agent told the people at the Duck Factory, watch her with Johnny tonight. And that's what put me over, is uh, uh, being interviewed by Johnny. I mean, he, he you know, he, he just, he knew how to make you look real good. That, you know, he just made you, he made me and every guest he had just sort of funnier than, than they might necessarily be without Johnny. So um, so it, what was great is that, so he had me on a bunch of times as a guest, and then one time during a commercial break, he said, would you like to do sketches with me? And I was like, yes. And uh, because as flattered as I was doing um the, the interviews with Johnny, you know, I, I'm not a stand-up comic, so it was, and and I like I like playing a character, I like playing a character more than myself, you know. So it felt more, I don't know, felt safer for me. So I was I was thrilled uh, to do sketches with him, and um, so I, I actually ended up doing. Uh, the last 10 years of The Tonight Show with Johnny. So, I mean, at first, like I said, it started off uh, being interviewed with interviews, but then um, but then I did, uh, from beginning to end, it was the last 10 years of The Tonight Show, which was which was great. Actually, now that I think about it, a couple of times I was interviewed by Gary Shanlin, too. Oh, okay. Uh, quite wonderful. Uh, but, uh, but, um, uh, uh, but with doing the sketches with Johnny, it was really neat because... Here, by the time I did The Tonight Show, Johnny had already been doing it for 20 years. You know, he did, did the show basically for 30 years, so I didn't get to him until the last 10 years. Right. And I, I, I was so impressed with how much fun he was having doing those sketches. In other words, you'd almost think I, a guy's been doing this for this many years. Is he kind of just, you know, whatever. Well, emotions. Yeah. No. He had childlike delight in it. It was true 
enthusiasm. And and I think I think that's one of the reasons why he was so loved is that the audience smells that. We, we you sense it. You you see that when somebody is really loving it, and he was loving it. And I I found that, that so charming. I I, I also. Uh, I loved also because what would happen is sometimes when we would be rehearsing and right before we re- would rehearse a sketch, sometimes I would sit next to him on the sofa and he'd be behind his desk and he would just be reading the script that we were going to do and sort of doing uh, corrections and everything. And the uh, producer, Fred de Cordova, would sometimes, I'd, I'd be privy to conversations where Fred would say to Johnny, you know, uh, and he would mention some big star is agents calling to, you know, to, to do the show next week. And, and Johnny would be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I didn't really enjoy talking to them last time. Oh, wow. The ne- yeah. And then the next, then the, somebody else, Randy Cardova would mention, and it would be somebody that wasn't as big of a star, and Johnny would be like, yes, and I'm not saying he didn't interview people that he wasn't always wanting to, but at the same time, I saw that he, I think, often okayed guests that he liked talking to, like that he, that his enthusiasm and his interest was genuine, um, so that he might not always go necessarily for the biggest star. He wanted people he wanted to talk to. And and I I thought, wow. I thought, that's even like when he would have me on, I was thinking, why is he like me? I don't have that much to talk about. But he wanted to talk to me. And and I thought, wow. And so that same that same genuine quality, uh not even quality that truthfully being genuine, authentic, when he was doing those sketches, he just loved them. And uh, I just thought, oh, God, they were just so much fun to do. Yeah, I mean, like, when he just, like, literally broke down hysterical, it was just, it was really funny. I I watched it recently, and just, like, I started cracking up. That one, uh, the home shopping, where he's Sheila McShallow, right? (laughs) Yes, Sheila McShallow and Todd Lee. Yeah. And this, the outrageous products. I think it was like a Linda Blair like food process or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah. The Jamie the Farr Linda one. Linda Blair, a food processor. Let's see, there was a, uh, the uh, Jamie Farr juicer, orange right? juice. Yeah, yeah. Orange juice came out of his nostrils. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was just classic. I mean, the, the newscasts and everything, they, they, they were great. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> and then and like, my character's name was Tani Casabas. <laughs> like, oh, geez. Yeah, <laughs> those, those were the days. <laughs> oh, it's a to- a totally, <laughs> totally. Now you said that uh, like Gary Shanley interviewed you a lot. You never worked with him besides that, have you? No. Oh my goodness! I'll tell you what. I, I was kind of really that. That's like you know. Different actors talk about, like, oh, you know, a, a job that they almost got or a job that they turned down and they regret. Well, what happened is um, the, with uh, Gary Shandling, 
I was supposed to do an interview um, with Johnny, and Johnny did get sick at the last minute, and Gary Shandling was the guest host. Well, my um, my interview with Gary Shandling just went great. You know, it was, I sort of I sort of became a different person with Gary Shandling because he was more close to my age. With Johnny, was sort of more like kind of flirtatious and all like that. Right. With Gary, it felt more like I was talking to my brother or something. And so then I was really flattered because he had me on. Uh, his request, he was, uh, wasn't was a last-minute replacement, he he was hosting and he requested me. So I came out and we had a, another a great thing. And so before, um, before the, you know, Gary Shandling's first series, the one where... Oh, it's, uh, a, it's Gary Shandling's show, yeah. Yeah, okay. That one, well, um, uh, oh, Molly Cheek, who played his best friend on that series. Right. Okay, so that was what happened is Gary Shandling had me come in. Molly Cheek was great. Don't get me wrong. She was great. <laughs> but what happened is um, Gary Shandling, uh, I came in and to audition for that part, and uh, blah, 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 callbacks, callbacks, and then it got down between me and Molly, and what happened is I got Fresno, uh. the miniseries Fresno, and gee, you know, back then, that was a long time ago, cable, TV, you just... You didn't think that that was like that big of a deal, whereas my goodness, a CBS miniseries prime time with Carol Burnett. So of course, plus I didn't have the the Gary Shandling show yet. I kind of feel like I was going to get it, maybe possibly. But what what happened is I turned it down. I said, oh no, I'm just going to go with the sure thing, and I went with Fresno. So sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I I think I very well might have gotten that Gary Shandling show, which would have been a great job because that thing lasted years. And uh, oh my God, did Gary Shandling talk about another? Uh, comedy great. So, yeah, I never got, and, and heard through the grapevine, Gary Shandling was not thrilled with the fact that I, I took the, the other job, but I just, you know, I had to go with the, with the shared thing, so, but I've often thought, damn, that would have been a great job. Yeah, it was, and then, you know, having Larry Sanders uh, years later, which was a fabulous show as well, I mean, he also somebody oh, who God, was taken way too soon. Yeah, yeah, he was he was great as well. So now um, you're doing voiceovers. How did you get involved with those? Um, voiceovers, well, you know, I, let's face it, I have a pretty quirky voice, so right. it was uh, pretty pretty uh, seamless. Uh, just um, uh, you know, I, what, you know what I used to really do a lot of is um, uh, radio commercials. I did tons and tons of radio commercials. And then I did uh, some um, animation. Oh, that's another comedy grade I got to work with on um, an animated show one time. Uh, uh, Jonathan Winters oh, wow. uh, <laughs> uh, was on it with me. And, oh, my goodness, it was so funny because uh, uh, when we came to do this animated show, um, Jonathan Winters happened to sit next to me. And he was just like a little boy or something, like teasing a girl. He just kept, like... Like doing stuff like off script to like crack me up, and finally the director had to like literally because he kept saying, "Jonathan, stop, stop playing with Teresa." <laughs> literally, he made, he said he made Jonathan move away from me at the, at the where we were, so he would be somewhere else. But it was Jonathan Winters was pretty great person to work with, and uh, yeah. Uh, Oh, uh, and just oh, a lot of like guest spots on different animated series, and 
voiceover is just great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, but so now, like you said, you're working with Jonathan Winters, and you're in the booth. You know, he's making you laugh and stuff like that. So now, do you like work with other actors in the booth, or you record it separately, or even like do stuff at home and like send it that way? Um, yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, now because of technology, um, like when you are sometimes exactly, you're just alone, um, and. I I have to say I I embrace technology, but I do I prefer to be in a room with someone else, and you can't you don't always get that luxury anymore. But it it there I I feel that it's just better. I I, I feel that you know voiceover acting is still acting, and I think it really does help um, uh, to be with um, the other actors. I mean I. Geez, I've done you know whatever a radio commercials where you know I'll be in LA. The another the other actor is in Chicago and the director is in New York. I mean it's kind of you know and it works out. It's fine, but I don't. There's something about being face to face with people that I just feel is uh, it's it's just it's just uh, uh, better. One uh, form of of uh, voiceover work that I really enjoy is doing. Um, ADR, which right. is doing just um, additional d- dialogue uh, required, which is just doing. I shouldn't say just; it's it's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really fun thing to do. Um, doing the small little incidental characters in animated films, the background characters, um, and uh, I, which I've done on so many of the big. Uh, Pixar movies, whether it be uh, Monsters Incorporated or Cars or Wally or Up or um, a lot of the Disney Pixar, some some other studios as well, Despicable Me, whatever, um, and and uh, that that's a really great job because they often hire some big giant you know voiceover people, Bob Bergen, um, uh, all different people. And then also people that are very good at improv because that you are in a room together. They'll they usually an ADR group will be, I will say maybe fifteen people and uh, some crowd scenes you do all together. They put all fifteen people up in front of you know three different mics and you literally are walking around a room and you're shouting things out <laughs> and uh, that's why they want people that that are good at improv too. And then sometimes they will put a put a scene up on the screen um, and they'll say, okay, Teresa, you get up and and. Uh, voice that. Sometimes they'll give you actual lines that they've already written. Sometimes they'll just say, make something up. You know, that, that character there, the bunny in the corner, um, do some dialogue for that. And then I'll do it. And then they'll say to another actress, do you give it a shot? And then I'll say to a third actress, you give it a shot. And you all do it and you don't know uh, which one of us they're going to choose for the actual movie. Uh, but it's it's a, a very um, creative uh, and very, uh, like I said, it's like improvisation and it's fun because you can do different voices and just sort of go, oh, okay, that uh, that tar in the background that's uh, sneezing, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to just on the spot, you kind of make up whatever kind of uh, uh, voice timber or, or whatever that you want to do. It's 
it's uh, ADR loop, like, you know, you've heard of loop groups and all like that. I'm not right. really a member of a loop group, but I've just, I've just been fortunate enough to um, get a lot of these looping ADR jobs on animated films, and um, I, I just, I love it. It's just, it's great. Now, when you, um, when you do those, is that usually like a, like a one-day gig or multiple days? Or? Um, it, it's both. Um, uh, uh, sometimes an example would be in the very beginning, uh, sometimes there's no picture. So, in other words, in the process of making a, uh, an animated feature, so let's say a year, a year and a half before Wally comes out, they have a group of us actors come in and they tell us, they might show us not even on the screen. It could just be literally drawings, you know, uh, uh, on a table. They'll show us drawings and they'll tell us what the plot line is and the world that we're in. So uh, they'll have us put down some dialogue like that, just from saying, and then maybe they might call you in months later where now they've got it, they've got animation, they've got it up on a screen, but it's not all colored in. It's still sort of a, a scratchy, uh, is the best I can say. And then they might call you in again on the same movie a month before the thing opens. And now it's, it's they're just putting in the fine touches. Now they they they've got it. They're just tweaking it at the end. So sometimes you'll you'll go in one day. Sometimes you'll go in. 10 days for something. So, uh, yeah, it, it really sort of just depends on what their needs are and uh, all like that. Plus, you know, these sound people are so good on these movies that it also they also want a certain blend. So they might, you know, have too many female voices that sound in the same range as me, so maybe it's like, okay, on this one I'm only going to work one day because other they need to they need a different sound and you know they they really orchestrate it. It's like that. It's like the voices are um, different instruments in 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 something. So they they and and it, you know it depends upon. Um, a lot of stuff like that, but yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's you know like a Despicable Me three. I worked one day on it right before it came out. You know, might have been was probably like a month before it came out, and that was it. And uh, so it just it really it really depends. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Usually, because it was hilarious. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's really really funny. I love I love that one. Yeah, the first two were great, and the Minions movie was good too. Uh, we took our kids to see the Emoji movie. I wish I kind of saw it sickle with me instead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as long as the kids like it, that's all that matters. So when so when the animated yeah. movies come out, do you like watch them and like kind of like listen for your roles, or can you not listen yes, to you? Yes, I do. I kind of yeah, and it could be like really insignificant where it's like, oh yeah, the old lady that's crossing the street that screams, that's me. I mean, like, exactly. I'm like looking at the screen trying to go, oh yeah, I, I, and sometimes I can't tell. I'm like, I don't really know if that's me or, Lor or Lorraine Newman, but because that one I, I, you know, but but so I can't always tell for sure. But uh, but some of them, I, I I'm very I'm very I'm very aware that it's me. Right now, um, finally, when I was you know obviously sick from, you know homesick from school you know didn't have cable yet so during the mornings the only things were on were game shows and you were plastered oh, all over them. 
uh, $25,000 pyramid and like password and Hollywood squares. Which one was your favorite to do? Definitely um, the pyramid show. I, I the thing the thing is 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 that I thought that was the best game, and I, it's it's just such a perfect game. I, I loved the fact that that game was so um, you had to concentrate so hard. Right. Whereas, oh, something like Hollywood Squares or something like that, really fun, but it, that's more of a personality game. I love the fact that that pyramid game, I wanted to win money for people so badly, and I, I was quite good at it. And um, I, I just, I, I thought that was the most fun game. I won somebody $100,000 on that show. I thought it was, that was oh, wow. It was such an exciting game. I mean, you saw how people just stood up and, and screamed, the, the, the person who won, but also the actor playing it with them because it was pure excitement. That was that was such a well-constructed game. Some um, some of the people that I know from back in those days that did it, once in a blue moon, we get together and play pyramid just as, you know, like you would play charades. Oh, that's funny. Fun game to play. That's what, was there ever a contestant that you really didn't like, so you didn't try as hard or give them hard clues? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I can't. I can't really say that. Um, I will say that uh, I felt bad. Some you could see some people really had a bad case of nerves. You know, right. they, they they really wanted it bad, and they were on TV. And some people I could see like, oh, too bad. I bet you. If we weren't on television right now, they'd probably be doing better because you could just see they were nervous. Um, but no, I uh, now one thing is, um, at, in, in, I'd be at a restaurant or something years later. I mean, twenty years later, people have come up to me and have said, "You changed my life." You know, it paid off all my student loans, or it was my down payment on a house, or um, you do realize that, that if, if, that's, if that's all the good I've ever done in my life is help somebody win on the pyramid show, it was a life well lived. Because uh, people uh, really do say that those that those, those winnings can change their lives, which is great. But uh, yeah, so all those game shows was fun. Super Password. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Double Talk, um, oh, Celebrity Family Feud, right. all those game shows were, uh, that was, I, I, ha I had a great time doing it, but no, Pyramid Show was the greatest, that was, that was my, my show. Yeah, you, you should have asked for 10% of the winnings. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I should have asked for 10% of the winnings, yeah, it's, definitely. Yeah, it's a shame, because like, you know, there really aren't that many game shows around anymore, and it's seems like all it is now is like reality shows. I wish they would go back to, you know, the old traditional game shows. Yeah, well, but you know, it goes in cycles. And, totally. And I do think um, some of it, you know, they, they brought some of, some of the game shows back. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think there'll always be some game shows. I, I really do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, before, I forgot to ask you before, um, with, back with Jackie Gleason, is it true that he was obsessed with aliens? Most definitely, we all were staying at um, 
some, you know, more, it was, it was, a, it was like a two-story hotel. It was nice, but it was, you know, just like a two-story, but that's, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, you know, Richard Pryor and, and Dick Donner and, and the whole cast were staying there. But Jackie Gleason was staying at the penthouse high-rise, um, you know, the Hilton or whatnot. Right. And, uh, and I was told because he had a, uh, telescope and he was, you know, he was, he was looking, he was looking at the planets and everything, uh, up there. And, and he, I, yeah, I mean, he, I had a huge collection of books about aliens and all like this. And, you know, I have to tell you what, I, it, I, I don't think it's crazy. I, I think, uh, I think it's, listen, if I were, I, I, I would put my money on it. I would. So, you know, I'm not, I don't believe in a lot of things, but, uh, yeah, I think the odds that, that, uh, there are aliens make sense. So, uh, but yes, he was definitely that. That's true. I've heard. I heard that he gave a. He had a huge collection of books that I think he gave to a university in Florida. And um, yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, I I you know, it's where one planet in the universe, and uh, the odds are pretty high that there's someone else up there out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, or you know, or maybe he was just looking at the moon and seeing his face like the opening of the honeymooners. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Teresa, thanks for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck. And we thank Teresa for joining us today. Follow Teresa on Twitter at LA Genzel with two L's. Follow me on Twitter at the first Noah one nine. Be sure to like the page with Living My Youth on Facebook. Rate and review the show on iTunes. A special thanks to everyone listening. I can't do without you guys. And be on the lookout for the next episode of Reliving My Youth.